You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Let's take you around the league with our good friend Nick Ferguson, the former NFL safety who filled in for Cordell yesterday. Nick, we got to start with the devastating news. Richard Sherman is done for the rest of the year, ruptured Achilles. How does Seattle try to replace him in terms of impact between the lines and, more importantly, emotion? That that is something that is going to be very hard to do, especially knowing as though uh, Earl Thomas, uh, the uh, all-pro safety, he did not play, and he was on the sideline. And uh, that defense of Seattle, uh, they've taken some shots. They've been beat up uh, a lot. And when you look at what makes that team whole, Richard Sherman, is, Simmons, Sherman excuse me, is one of those individuals because he's a very emotional uh, player. Not having him in the lineup is going to create some issues for this team moving forward. You're talking about a guy who was once a wide receiver converted to corner. And the, the idea of the type of defense that they want to play is Pressure the quarterback, force the quarterback to make some error and throws, and our guys in the back end, they're going to make plays for us. He was a long-rangey corner. Didn't really have that top-end speed that you want at that position. But since he played wide receiver, his, his instincts and his anticipation was always there. And even on the play that he was injured, you can see that he was trying to uh, actually get in position to make a play on the ball. But it's just kind of unfortunate that it has happened to Richard Sherman and Seattle at this time, and that, that definitely changes that injury, that is, with, to Richard Sherman, changes the complexity of the season for the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, the Rams pretty much own the division right now, sh- should actually win that division. And I thought, you know, going into tonight's game, uh, if Seattle was able to win that game, now they put themselves right back in the mix to be the team to hunt down the Los Angeles Rams. But right now, that's not going to happen. The offense. Uh, had this moments where it sputters, it's up and down, no, no real consistency. And, you know, the defense was the mentality in the heart of that team, and now you lose Richard Sherman. That's, that's a devastating blow to that, that team and, and the organization as a whole. What does that say to the value? What does that say about the value of a, a Russell Wilson? Uh, while everyone else is getting hurt, whether it's last year or this year, last year, of course, we know it was Cam Chancellor, it was Earl Thomas this year. It's Earl Thomas, it's Averill, and now it's Richard Sherman, but yet you still have Russell Wilson, the player on the football field, because it seems like everyone else can get injured on the defense and the team still wins. But if you, you, you lose number three, it seems as if regardless of what else they have on this football team, it won't move forward the way it should. No, it, it won't, Cordell. And, and right now, Austin Davis, he came in for, for one play, and, and, and we saw you know, Russell when he came out, when he took that shot and, and, and the jaw, you know, the concussion protocol, he was like, throw the 10 up. Oh, I'm good, Doc. I'm running back on the field because, just like you said, he, he realizes that he is a key cog in that offense. And if he's not in the lineup, it totally changed the complexity of what Doug Baldwin and Paul Richardson, who's come on phenomenally in this, this year, and that's all due to connection that he has with you know, Russell Wilson. But he, if he's not in there, it's going to be very difficult. But, you know, Dwayne Brown, who just recently was treated to the Seattle Seahawks, we saw him go out with an anger injury. Um, and, and there's a lot of guys that are banged up, and, and this is the, the part of the year where teams want to separate themselves. Sometimes you may, it may not be because you have superior talent, but it may be because your guys are healthier than opponents that you, you're playing. Right now I, I reference the Los Angeles Rams. Right now they don't have any marquee injuries to any of their top players. So looking at what 
Seattle has sustained in last night's game, and we can say, well, was it because they were playing on Thursday night football? We could toss that out, but you and I know better because a lot of injuries, they, they could have happened on Monday night. They can happen on Sunday, and they can happen on Thursday. You just don't know, and you can't really predict. But this put Seattle's uh, playoff hopes and, and jeopardy uh, having those guys go down in the game last night. Nick Ferguson, former NFL safety, is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Nick, you know we're always looking for a summary judgment. Can Seattle still make the Super Bowl without Richard Sherman? No, it's not. When you look at how they got to the Super Bowl when they did the two times, it was based on – you know, excellent quarterback play like Cordell alluded to with Russell Wilson. I mean, he's not going to put up the guardy numbers like Tony Romo, but he is efficient. He's not going to put your team and your offense in a position where he's going to throw multiple interceptions. That's only happened one time in his career against the Green Bay Packers in the Emerald City, and the defense was able to come back and help them out because this is a defense that can not only flip the field for the offense, but when they get turnovers, those turnovers, you know, turn into points. And not having Richard there, that puts pressure on that front, you know, front seven. I mean, Cordell said this up, no Cliff Averill. So, you know, where's the pass going to come from? I mean, you have Jordan and you have Dwight Freeney, but, you know, can these guys supply enough pressure to opposing quarterbacks to help the guys in the back end? All the guys who the Seattle Seahawks are going to put in, you know, maybe, you know, you got Justin Coleman, now he's going to have to play a significant amount of time. And I don't know if he can hold up outside enough to give that front seven time to get home. So it's going to be very difficult for the Seattle Seahawks in the playoffs if they are to get there. I tell you what, adding uh, Dwight Freeney to the, to the officer's defense, I mean, it's, it's a, it was a very good move by this team because you lose Averill uh, for some time, Earl Thomas for some time, and now all of a sudden for the year you have Richard Sherman going out. But I want to go to Dallas now that we know that Dak Prescott won't be in for the next six weeks. How do you see this thing working out for this team coming into Atlanta uh, with Alfred Morris and also Darren McFadden? Well, this is going to put, you know, uh, a lot of pressure on Dak Prescott, and it's really going to press Jason Garrett and his offensive coordinator to see, you know, how wise they are as far as coming up with the scheme because even though uh, you're asking three guys essentially to try to go in and duplicate the level of production that Ezekiel Elliott has given you up to this point, it is possible. You're not going to get exactly, but you're going to be able to use these three guys. Alfred Morris is not a speed burner. He's great catching the ball out of the backfield. So you're going to have to use him in screen plays. Darren McFadden, I mean, he is that hammer. I played against him. He wants to get the ball, and he wants to go north and south. And when he comes downhill, he's coming with the mentality to really thump the defenders. So now that gives you power in between the tackles and goal line and maybe short yardage. But Rod Smith, he's another guy, just like Alfred Morris. Rod Smith has a little more wiggle to him. So now we're talking about screen passes. And when I look at uh, an offense being able to duplicate uh, a run game from a pass standpoint, I always go back to Sean Payton and what he's been able to do with Darren Sproles when he was a member of the New Orleans Saints. To me, that's what you have to do. You have to use these three guys to keep Dan Quinn's defense off balance, so he, so they don't know. Okay, well, we get this guy, so we're going to try to game plan for this guy. We can't. We got to try to game plan for three guys. And, and you've coached this season. You know how difficult that is to try to game plan for three particular guys. So if I'm Jason Garrett, that's what I want to do with these three backs against the Atlanta Falcons. 
Nick, need you to be a rational third party when it comes to analysis of the Saints. I know they're 6-2. and two. I know they've won six consecutive games. I think they're losing Sunday on the road in Buffalo because outside of going to Carolina and beating the Panthers, I don't see a lot of quality wins. Cordell believes in this football team more than I do. How do you see it? Well, if there is a team that can definitely go and beat Buffalo, it is uh, this New Orleans Saints team. I mean, you mentioned the fact that they're riding a six-game high, and that does a lot for a team that at the beginning of the season, everyone was saying, okay, well, is Drew Brees done? Uh, the fact that they don't have a running game and maybe Dennis Allen you know, should be fired. But what they did was what, what most teams would do is you know, block out all the noise. Say so the only thing that matters is what we think inside this locker room. And they've shown from a defensive standpoint that they have come to play. And that's one thing that they've been lacking all of the years that they've had Drew Brees is we know what he and Sean Payton are going to do from an offensive standpoint. But they never had the defense to match. And once again, when you have a defense turning balls over, and Cordell knows this because he played in Pittsburgh where, you know, that was kind of their, their mantra, what they did. They ran the ball and they played great defense. Right now, this is what the recipe is for the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton. And Alvin Kamara is definitely helping him, being a guy who can run the ball between the tackles and catch the ball out of the backfield. So looking at all those things that the New Orleans Saints can do on both sides of the ball, there's nothing to tell me that they can't go in Buffalo and come out victorious. Whoop. There it is. We appreciate that analysis by you, Nick Ferguson, because I... Who that? Who that? Who that? I, yeah, who that? I, I, try to, <laughs> I try to make it understand. See, the thing I try to convey on our show here with my partner here is that yes. wins in the National Football League aren't easy. And I, and I know we always anticipate, you know, it's automatic win for this, this team, that team. I mean, the Buffalo Bills lost to the Jets last week. No one on, this, on, this, on the airwaves right now listening or even on this show right now thought that the Jets would have a chance to beat Buffalo with how great this defense was when it came to getting interception turnovers into how this offense was actually coming around and playing. So to, to see that happen, it goes to show you, yes, while you can win on any given uh, a Sunday or whenever they play, I just look at a team that had a, a, a drop-off, Richie Incognito going nuts because they end up playing on Thursday game. They lost, so he blaming, he's blaming the world. To now all of a sudden the Saints is playing on a, on a natural high with them getting turnovers, only allowing 15 points a game over the last, 16, last six games. Special teams getting touchdowns as well. I like this Saints team going against the Buffalo Bills. It, it, once again, Cordell, how can you not? You know, we know the history of this organization, uh, what uh, Louisiana has been through with, with hurricanes and you know, how much Drew Brees has come to the city of New Orleans and how he mean, how much he means to that city and what he's been doing out in the community. And everyone's talking about, you know, Sean Payton once again. And, you know, is he on his last days as a head coach? And all I know is that in a couple of weeks, they've turned everything around. Now, they are the team that everyone's chasing. Atlanta's trying to keep up. Carolina's trying to keep up. And when you look at the whole race inside the NFC as far as, you know, getting into the playoffs, this is definitely a team you have to be afraid of because, you know, the one part of the team that was not playing up to par is now one of the top units in the NFL, and that's the defensive side of the ball. And that's the only thing that they were, they were missing. So, yeah, this is definitely a team, the New Orleans Saints, that people should be afraid of.
All right, yeah. we got three minutes left in the segment. You know I'm not going to let it go. New Orleans won seven games last year. Guys, this is not That's some radical improvement. No, 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 no. I'm looking for a overall assessment of a franchise. They weren't that bad last year. And, Nick, not to ask you a leading question, but that's what I do on this show, Counselor. If you're going to give me those defensive stats, look at the quarterbacks they matched up against. Last week it was Jameis Winston for one half with one arm and Ryan Fitzpatrick in the second half. Well, when we, we can look at it from that standpoint, and you bring up a very valid point, but still at the same time, those guys get paid. They get paid, yeah, they too. They get paid to play, so does the backup. So you can't really say, okay, well, they're not playing you know, Tom Brady. They're not, they're not playing Pittsburgh every single week. But here's what we do know. We know Sean Payton and Drew Brees have had a history in this league of putting up points. And no one expected coming into the season that – the New Orleans Saints defense would even amount to anything, right? This, not, this wasn't a team that was going out in free agency or has a history going out in free agency and grabbing some of the top picks. We're not talking about New England here. We're talking about a team that was you know, left for dead being a bottom feeder after you know, playing in the Super Bowl against the Colts years ago. So now they've become relevant not just because of the offense, it's because of the defense. And maybe I'm being biased because I played on the defense side of the ball, and I love to see turnovers, and I love to see big hits. But this is a team based on the way they've been playing over the last couple of weeks that teams definitely should be afraid of. And when you have a rookie like Alvin Kamara playing the way that he's playing, and Ted again catching vertical throws down the field, something that he didn't really do for Cam Newton, but he's doing it for the rival team and with New Orleans. To me, that is a recipe for success, and hopefully if they can continue to duplicate this from here on out, we could possibly be talking about New Orleans, as crazy as that sounds, in Minnesota. Yeah, that is crazy, because we know what happened when they went to Minnesota. (laughs) They got pushed around on Monday Night Football by Sam Bradford, but we could talk about this for seven hours, Nick, on Sunday. So enjoy your weekend, although it's abbreviated, and we'll do it on NFL First and Goal, 1 o'clock Eastern on Sunday. Thank you, Nick. Thank you. Keep him right, Cordell. Keep him oh, right. Bro, it's hard, man. It's hard. <laughs> you got him for seven good hours on Sunday. Good luck, my man. Goodbye, Nick. Thank you. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart live on the NFL on Tune. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. The National Football League is on. Tune in.